0: We'll be in Acts chapter 3 this evening. We're going to cover the whole chapter. It's, uh, I guess, quite a bit. Uh, may God uh, give us eyes to see. And, you know, oftentimes I, uh, I pray every, every week, uh, I say a prayer for that. Uh, and matter of fact, why, why don't we just open in prayer? Our Father and our God, uh, full of grace and mercy and love, Father, I pray that uh, you will give people eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know, Father. Father, we call on the the name of Jesus Christ, Father. We thank you for that Son, the Son of Man, which was fulfilled and given to us for those who call upon him. We call upon you this evening, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oftentimes we start with a prayer like that. Because without God and what Jesus did, without God giving us eyes to see, then, then how can we see? And I, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, having eyes to see and being, being able to see. Yeah, I, I'm in the construction field. I, I, I have to work for a living. And uh, I get to work for a living, I should say. And uh, so in, in the construction field, we can see danger. I can see danger. And, and not only can I see danger... But I see better by watching something being done, and I see that being done, and I'm capable of learning that. And I know some people, they may be able to read, and then they can see it, and then they're capable of doing it. Uh, But there's some things in construction that we just can't see that that brings danger. Uh, For instance, electrical work. No one may know about that. If you take your fingers and you touch the black and the white, you, you can't see it, but you are going to feel it. It's something you can't see, and it, it's danger. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit is is, uh, is something that we can't see. It, 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 it does a word picture of the wind blowing where we can't see it. But we know it's moving because we see the, the trees blowing. On a construction site, I can see the danger of walking out at the end of, end of a board, that it, the board may flip up and I may fall. God has given me that ability to see things. Now, oftentimes, I... I I noticed, does the devil close our eyes or blind us? Is it the foolishness of our heart that uh, conceives, gives birth to a sin for the lust of our desire, and then Satan then blinds our eyes? Is there times when God blinds our eyes? Is there a time when our eyes are just blind out of just pure ignorance? I, I think all of them are very true statements. And as I was preparing for my message and mulling over it, It's about Peter and John that uh, heal a a, a crippled, that he's able to walk again. And I think of that time in that era when the the church was just getting started, that Jesus' death, burial, resurrection had happened, all the old prophecy had been fulfilled, but all the miracles that Jesus had did one after another, after another, that people had seen, and then even we'll find in Scripture where Jesus had professed uh, what was going to, prophesized, what was going to happen to him, to his disciples. But he says that he covered their eyes, or they weren't able to understand at that time. So there's different times, and I and I wonder about that, and. And sometimes we cover some pretty tough subjects, but one thing for sure is I'm very thankful for that God has opened my eyes up, that I could see. What, what did he open my eyes up to see? Well, first my sin nature and the, the wrong, and then I had a repentant heart, then I could see and believe. And then there was a hungering and a thirsting for his word, wanting to know and understand his, his word at just such a deep level. Just take such joy in that, uh, to be able to see that. So with that being said, uh, I I think what we're going to do is, because we're going to cover the chapter, we're going to be moving through quite a bit of it. So I'm not going to read it all, then go back over and reread it. So we're just going to kind of dive into it a, a little bit here. Now, first off, we see that Peter's preaching to the people that came to see a lame man restored to his feet. And that's verses 1 through 11. Now, Peter and John. I want to talk a little bit about Peter and John. Peter and John, the apostles, uh, were disciples and apostles of Jesus. And uh, do, you, do you know that James and John were named the sons of thunder? Because they were a little, little bit uh, nippy, a little bit quick to anger. And, uh, and I'm working on that. It's funny how my name is John, and I'm, I'm working on that myself. Uh, but then there's Peter. He's the rock. And so these two were Jesus that... And I'm going to talk a lot about the sovereignty of God, uh, God's sovereignty, and His how He how He just moves things forward since the beginning of time. And who, who were these men? Well, what better to to talk about who these men were, but to go to the the prayer, Jesus's prayer. Oftentimes. You know, we hear the Lord's Prayer. And that's to me, is the disciples' prayer. That's teaching us a structure and a manner and how we should pray. This is actually Jesus praying. This is Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a Thursday night. He was sweating blood. And he said this prayer, and he, and he prayed. And I'm, I'm going to read half of it, and then we're going to probably read the other half if I don't forget. But this speaks to me about... Uh, Jesus' disciples and his apostles, who, who they were, because we're going to talk about who they, who they are, who the crippled was, and some resentments or some things that maybe been going on in his head, and then we're going to talk about the masses of people who, who actually denied, uh, denied Jesus. So, but we're going to just start with uh, chapter 17 of John. And it's the high priestly prayer. Jesus spoke these things. Now remember, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He he was there. He was was sweating blood that night. He knew what he was going to endure. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given... He may give eternal life, and this eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. In Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorified you on the earth, having finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory with which I had with you before before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believe that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world. And yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. Now I'm going to stop there. There's God's sovereignty and the providence of God through God's redemptive plan had chosen these men. We, we covered this a while back ago. He didn't... God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. At this time in God's redemptive plan, before the foundation of the world even, He had known that He was going to choose these men for a specific task. And that task was to be His disciples. Remember how... Jesus picked his disciples as he was walking around the Sea of Galilee. John the the Baptist, the two of them were there. Then he says, I must diminish, he must increase. He started picking up his apostles. They were selected. It was the providence of God. I'll put my glasses back on. So that, that was uh, John and Peter, divinely chosen. matter of fact, Paul, there was a word called e- echolodge, echolodge, that he was divinely chosen. Later on in Acts, we'll read that for a specific t- task. He was going going to be the apostle to the Gentiles to proclaim Christ. It was a specific task that that God had, through his providence and his sovereignty, had chosen Paul that he was going to complete this task. And here we find that Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to God and thanking him for the men that he had given him. God had chosen them for a specific task, to do a specific duty. Uh, that's, That's who the apostles were. And these apostles were just fishermen, they weren't the the, the the cream of the crop, that one would say. They had to go to work and catch fish. And they were in a small fish village in Galilee. And he picked up all his disciples as he walked around there, that he had, had been pre-chosen before the foundation of the world, even, that they were going to do this. As a matter of fact, God's redemptive plan, we were reading in Genesis this morning, in Genesis chapter 3, it started right then. And before the curse was imposed, before God imposed the curse upon man in this earth, He also put a redemptive plan in the play. When He said in verse 15 that He said that you would, we would bruise the, He will crush the blow, put a, a blow to the head and bruise His ankle through the seed of Eve which one day Christ would be born in God's redemptive plan, where it only mentions the seed of a woman one time in the Bible, and that's because of the, through, the, through Eve, through the, all the way to the Virgin Mary, that our Savior was going to be born, the Son of Man was going to be born, and that Satan was going to damage his heel by the nail going through his, his ankle, but he was going to crush the head, a death blow that he would give to Satan. He defeated Satan that day on that cross Satan was defeated, and that then that was in God's providence before He put Adam and Eve out of the garden, and just as all these things were in place. Now, this this man, this crippled man, and oftentimes we we wonder why does God why does God do these things? Why does this this man? was from his mother's womb was determined that he would be a lame man he would be crippled he would have to be carried to the gate and beg for alms every day of his life now that's 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 hard but this man that's what he was god made him for this purpose. And we know the short answer is it's going to show God's glory in everything. It's going to show God's glory in all bad or anything bad that we think we endure it and it will show God's glory and not only that it will build our perseverance. We'll be lacking in nothing. Our faith will go stronger. When we go through things like this. But I can only imagine what he must have been thinking. The resentments he must have had his whole life. Wondering why he was the crippled guy that had to be carried. That he was told that he was a sinner, a sinner because of the Pharisees and the scribes. They, they clearly believed that if you were crippled or there's a defect, you must have been a sinner. We know that. And he lived with that every day of his life. And God had determined that this was the life that he was going to have. Now... I, I I do want to just flip over to uh, John uh, chapter nine. Hopefully, I won't do a whole lot of flipping here. <laughs> uh, well, here's Jesus, and and you say, and we we got we got we got to answer this question: Was it because he sinned, or his parents sinned? Is is that why that this man was was crippled? Well, here's Jesus when he's in in chapter nine of John. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sin, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but this was so that the works of God might be manifested in him. See, it was it was preordained. It was planned by God. It was the providence of God that this man on that was going to be be blind. Was this the blind guy, or was this the? But regardless, there was a blind guy too. let's talk about the blind guy for an example. But Jesus restores this blind guy's sight. And not only does he, he restores his sight, and it's the same reason that it, the providence of God that it was going to show at this day and time that Jesus was going to perform this miracle because only a man of God or from God or from a, could, could possibly do these things to give a blind man sight and gave him sight and his parents and and they the pharisees and scribes they wanted to to uh attack jesus he's doing he's doing miracles on the sabbath and he must be from the devil and and all this nonsense and bring the parents in and the parents say ask him who who healed him he's not he's a grown man and Jesus had, had come to him. he'd come back to Jesus, and they questioned him over and over. He's, he's a prophet, he's from God, he, he's, he, he, he said to them. they they throw him out, they didn't want to hear that business, and Jesus went to him. And not only did Jesus, he told them, proclaimed who he was, I'm the son of man. You've seen prophecy fulfilled today from the Old Testament. The Pharisees and the scribes, they're blind. They're blind. But today you see because I am the Son of Man who healed you. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. The blind man, not only did Jesus give him his physical sight, but he gave him spiritual sight and a spiritual rebirth when he believed. Uh, I just... It's just just awesome so there's 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 more there's another event when jesus says it, it rains on the the just and the unjust. then he asks them we're going hopefully I'll remember to get to that point where the I believe they would probably be in the priest in the in the temple. And they're doing their sacrifices, and the the Romans had came in and sacrificed them and murdered them, and the blood had just flowed down the the, the gods uh, in, in the temple. And the same question comes in again, and and God brings and Jesus brings into the fact: do, do you think there are any more sinners than the the ones that the scaffolding had collapsed on? Uh, but that's that scripture. will get that more towards a repentant type of. Uh, later on, but it's it's the same scenario. It rains on the it, it. two things. It rains on the just and the unjust, and God's in control. The, I mean, it's just the providence of God that we see here these things happening. So now I'd like to just move along here, and move along to the unrepentant and the the ignorant sinner. Uh and that's a, the that's a one I really chewed on an awful lot. And I want to just, in verses 13 to 16, which because they didn't, did it through ignorance. Let me back up. So Peter and John professed the cure not to have been wrought by his or John's own power or holiness, but by God. And his son, Jesus. And through faith in his name, this man was healed. It had nothing to do with John or Peter. And oftentimes, miracles, all miracles that were performed through the Holy Spirit was always to point to Jesus. And if somebody's doing miracles and trying to glorify anything other than Jesus, they're they're probably trying to glorify their pockets. Uh, That's just a side note. We didn't even need to go there. So so here's Peter and John they're saying they're taking no credit for this whatsoever and these and this was in the miracle age and these gifts of of uh, healings and stuff was in the miracle age. I, I don't believe they're, they're on they're, they're today. I don't think anybody can go in the hospital. And and by the way, this man was healed when when Peter grabbed him and he says, "Get up and walk." He says, "I don't have silver or gold to give you." They caught eyes. They looked at eyes as they're walking into the temple. They see this man who's been sat there his whole life. They caught his eyes. They directly looked at him. He looked at them. They was thinking they was going to get silver or gold. And and Peter says, "No, we have no silver or gold to give you." See, but what they have to give you, they have the gift of, to be able to walk again, to heal you, to, for this time, in this day, that they had the miracle powers to prove that they were the apostles sent by Jesus Christ. They healed this man. They says, grab this mother, get up, walk. This man who was lame from birth had all his muscles and he got up and walked. He was excited. He was jumping for joy and clicking his feet together. He knew. Going into the temple. And see, then we find out that, and I I think it's kind of like the crowd mentality too. So now you have the religious people, the people at the time that were, remember earlier on now, I got to back up because when we did a message a couple weeks ago, we talked about the first day of Pentecost when many were saved the Holy Spirit come down on them like tongues, and and Jesus had uh, admonished or, or or said to the Jewish leaders that it was it was was the one that you crucified to to the religious leaders. It was the ones that you handed over and had them. He was admonishing them. He was, uh, he was cap- pronouncing judgment on them. Well, now we find the, the people. Remember the people that were there, and and Pilate. Jesus was here, and was it Barabbas? And and Pilate says, Pilate found no wrong in this man, Jesus. Found no 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 wrong, no guilt in him. The biggest crime ever committed was the crime to our Lord and Savior, a sinless man that was was found guilty and put to death. Did Pilate even knew? And he says, not, on this day, I'll free one. I'll free Barabbas, or I'll free your king. I'll free Jesus. They chose Barabbas. Now, just a couple days earlier, remember Jesus is coming into town on a donkey, and they're laying down the palm leaves, and they're all excited. This is, this is prophecy. This is, this is the Son of Man. This is the Messiah has come. They all believe that. They're all proclaiming that. And then a couple of days later, a change of heart. They say, "Give us Barabbas. Give us a murderer." Why? Why? Why are their eyes blind? Was it out of ignorance? Was it God blinding their eyes? Was it, was it Satan that that that, that was there a sin or something being born in their their hearts that they lusted for that their eyes were blinded through? Well, here you see, Peter's gonna. Begin to preach to these men that, that flock to it for this miracle. And I'd like to just read a little bit of that. And, and then, then we're going to get into a little bit of, of that. Peter's sermon, verse 11. And while we were, while, while he was clinging, the, the, the lame person that was just healed, to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico called Solomon's, full of wonder. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us, as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him, but you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses, And on that, the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which is through him, given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. See, a complete healing. In the miracle age, it was a complete 100% healing. It wasn't, they felt a little bit better. A complete healing had taken place, and here we, we see the the reprimand, reprimanding them, reprimanding them uh, judging putting a judgment on them, making them feel conflict to their to their hearts, the people that they they, they chose Barabbas over Jesus. I don't know why God, or why people's eyes are closed. I I, I just, I, we struggle with that. As, as, uh, I struggle with that. I, I won't speak for you. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that for people in my community. I struggle with that for people in my family. And I also struggle with that for people that profess to be Christians. You know, my brother's done a wonderful job preaching through Matthew uh, chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is, is, is not uh, casting, casting judgment on the, the Muslim or the Buddhist or the agnostic or the atheist. It's, it's admonishing. It's, it's casting judgment on people who are literally able to read and understand that they've read and they understand God's Word they profess him as Lord, and Jesus says, "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity you 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 didn't get it right, your eyes were blind. you said the you said the, you said the words, you read the text, but they didn't believe in our heart. they did not believe in our heart they didn't have a true repentant heart and so here I see a group of people the same way. I see people that were, were going to church and they, they, believed, they believed whatever they could believe that with the Pharisees and the scribes were preaching and teaching to them. But they made a choice that day to choose Barabbas over Jesus. Their eyes were blinded. And it, it stirs up emotions in my heart. Uh, now... Later, later in, in this sermon, that that, uh, and then I'm going to read some of my notes. But later, I'm just going to get through the, this. Later in the sermon here, Peter, after he's calling them out, well, one main thing we got to remember here too, because after this, after verse 17, let me just pick up right there. This is very important. This is very important for uh, eternal salvation, for understanding. And I just, I love, I, I just love our God that you talk about a God full of patience and love and grace that he, he's throwing him out a line here right now. This is a this is line he's throwing out to him okay? He's saying, listen, he, he, he's giving him something to grab a hold of here. Verse 17, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Just as your rulers did also. I I know you acted in ignorance. I know what you did was wrong. But God's going to give you another opportunity here. God's going to give And your rulers, too. He's going to give them an opportunity. He's he's throwing it out there for you. Do you want to take it? Maybe God's throwing it out to you right now today, His words. Maybe you've denied His words your whole life. Maybe you've read His words... Maybe you even said the prayer when they said, "Say the prayer." Maybe someone even uh, said right after the prayer, they told you, "Yeah, you said the prayer. You're good." But 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 it's being thrown out to you right now through your ignorance that you continued on in the path you're lost. You walked off to walked off walked after your fleshly desires. But today you're gonna hear his words. You're gonna hear the truth of his words. It's gonna ring true in your heart, and and he's throwing it out because of your ignorance. He's telling them, repent, acknowledge it, acknowledge who I am, repent, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets. Now now here's this fisherman, this fisherman in a little village of Galilee, he he couldn't be a, a Pharisee or a scribe because he probably wasn't able to memorize things that he needed to memorize, so he had to go work on a fishing boat and make nets and catch these fish, he just turns into this Old Testament scholar. we noticed that in the first day of Pentecost. He starts quoting Old Testament with the pentateuch the books of the Old Testament of the bible he 's quoting as it as God written it in his heart, and we 're going to see how Jesus writes the words on of his heart and jesus 's commission and what Jesus did to these two two men on the road to Emmaus. He puts the word into their heart it's just it's just so. It's so awesome. Now, here's Peter in his, his preaching. He, he calls them to repentance because of their ignorance. He calls them to repentance in verse 20, and that he may send Jesus in Christ appointed for you, whom, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the ancient time. Now he starts quoting Deuteronomy, verse chapter 18. He says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. To him you shall listen to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Here's Peter bringing to light the Old Testament. Everything, the providence of God, everything that God His redemptive plan has come true, and he's speaking it to these non-believers. Uh, so, one thing that we, we, we need to keep in mind here, I wanted to bring up the fact that, because we're talking about this this man Jesus again, and Peter, how he keeps referring back to the Old Testament, and Jesus himself prophesied what was going to happen to him. In Luke, verses 18, chapter 18, he says, but when he took the twelve aside, he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be completed. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. This is Jesus telling his disciples. And after they have flogged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood none of these things. And this statement was hidden from them. And they did not comprehend things that were said. Jesus said these things. They didn't comprehend. They, they weren't ready for it at that time. Did, did God keep their eyes closed at a certain time? There's another time in, in the Old Testament that God, that God says to to Moses he says, For forty years to this day, I have not opened the eyes to your I have not opened your eyes up, I have not given you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know for forty years they wandered around the desert, and it wasn't until God opened their eyes a sovereign God who chooses to do what he chooses to do mark uh, Basically stating the same thing i 'm just going to read it it 's a little shorter version of it. But well, this is Jesus saying these things before it happens and by the way, in the Old Testament, if you proclaim to be a prophet, you had to be one hundred percent right all the time it wasn 't you missed something they were going to, but they, 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 they stoned them and killed them all anyhow. but you get stoned and killed a lot quicker if you were not to tell the truth and Today, we have a lot of people that will call themselves a prophet, but they're, they're, they're hitting, they're, their batting average is not too good. But here we see this man, Jesus, he's, he's hitting 100. Everything he said, comes true. All the Old Testament that was prophesied had come true, it had been fulfilled, and now we're, as New Testament preachers and teachers, we're actually Old Testament ones because we continue to go back into the Old Testament. And I never really thought of that before. I thought, oh, just that Old Testament, that's pretty tough stuff. But week after week, we're quoting the Old Testament. We're quoting Deuteronomy. So here's Mark. For he was teaching his disciples, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and telling them the Son of Man is, and by the way, the Son of Man is, is a quote from the Old Testament. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, He will rise again three days later. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask. Their eyes were blinded. My eyes were blinded for most of my life, and my eyes are probably still blinded to some things. A little bit more scripture here in Luke chapter 24. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And here in John, I like this one in John chapter 16. He tells us in this kind of like, this is where we take a big part in this. Brothers, believers, we take a big part of it. We're, we should be taking an active role in what's going on. We shouldn't be sitting on the sideline here waiting for the rapture. why waiting for Jesus to come back. This world is just, it's just terrible. I just can't live in it no more. It's just, oh my goodness, I, I just can't wait for the rapture. And, and uh, we're, we're going we're to talk about these guys on the road to Emmaus and, and see what their mentality was. It's the same thing's been going on for 2,000 years. We got people that, that are Christians, professing Christians today in this world are just like the two guys on the road to Emmaus. We're going to cover that and get into that. But it says here in John 16, it says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. Well, Jesus has come. He's in all authority. He's sitting at the right hand of God concerning the sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in him. See, the people do not believe in Him. We have a job as believers to do what? To pronounce sin, to acknowledge people's sin, righteousness, and judgment is telling us these things. that This authority has been given to us through Him. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But we've got to get the, to the road to Emmaus. We've got to get to these two guys on the road to Emmaus. You know, I, I had to back up a little bit because we're working our way through the, uh, the book of Acts. And this was uh, Luke, the author of Acts. And this was at the, at the end of uh, at the end of his first book. This is the second volume, is Acts that we're going through. So this is this is this is really good. And now now Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection had occurred. Uh, the women, Mary and uh, another woman, went to the tomb, and he wasn't there. And uh, there was uh, the couple of angels there and why are you looking for the living among the dead and and these men they're walking on the road to Emmaus and they're talking to one another about this man that come from God he was a prophet he was from God. He did all these miracles, and they're talking back and forth, just like we talk back and forth about God. We get together with Logan and Noah and Wesley. We sit around. We, we Pastor Cliff, this morning, we're talking about God. We just love talking about all the things about God, what He's doing in our lives, and and uh, and, and these two guys are walking on their road to Emmaus, and here comes Jesus. He just comes out of out of nowhere. He just starts walking with them, and and he says, he 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 stops their eyes from for them to know who he is. There again, God just putting a cover over their eyes. But let's just read a little bit of this uh, on this on road. It's just so exciting what's taking place here. They're on their way to Emmaus, which was sixth status from Jerusalem, and they were conversing with each other about all the things which had happened, all the miracles that you could fill up, all the books of this whole world that Jesus had done, And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself approached and was going with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. I pray that God gives you eyes to see today. It takes God. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, What are these words that you are discussing with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking and said, and one of them, named Calipus answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? Like, you're, you, everybody knows what's happened. The, the, the prophet, the great miracle worker, came and you're like, You're the only one that don't know? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene who was a mighty prophet in deed and word and in the sight of God. And all He was deed and word and his miracles in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we are hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. Now, let's just stop there a second. What? Why did they not believe that this was the Messiah? I'm, I'm going to tell you why. They didn't read their Bible enough. <laughs> well, yeah. And we need to read our Bible. Because I think we have a lot of Christians sitting in the pews that the same thing can happen again. They're all sitting around waiting for the rapture. Listen. The reason they did not believe was because they were told that the Messiah was going to come and he's going to establish his kingdom right here on earth. See? Jesus is going to come. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's the Messiah. And not only did these two guys from, uh, on the road to Emmaus, which were disciples, they were followers of Christ while he was alive, because they knew the, the women and they were in that group, the way. Let's call them the way. The, the beginning of the Christian church, the way. And even remember, Peter and John and the apostles, they were they was wanting to divide up the kingdom. Well, what am I going to get? Where, what am I going to get? You know, what flesh? Of, Judas, he's like, he's all worried about the money. He, he wanted his share too. See, they, they all thought that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And because that didn't happen and they didn't get the, their fleshly desires and thoughts of what they were going to get, they assumed that this was not the Messiah. He was, a, he was a prophet, he was, he, was, he was a miracle worker, we could say all these things, it was by God's eyes, but they denied the Messiah, and, and so let me just turn that around. I was told that, uh, now I, I believe, now don't get me wrong, Jesus is coming back, and uh, we're going to be caught up with him, I, I, I believe that, I'm not, I'm not denying that. I'm, I'm a little leery on this part where uh, the, the, this tribulation period and all this business and then three and a half years and then I, 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 I'm just not... And that millennium is out of the revelations and I'm like, hmm, I'm really starting to... And I'm thinking to myself, what has this done to me? I feel like I'm, I'm the guy on the road to Emmaus. I feel because someone had told me something I just believe that and accept that. And I'm thinking to myself, this world is falling apart. We got war in Israel. We got war in Russia. We got we got diseases. We got uh hurricanes. It's the end times. This world is going to excuse my language, but hell in a handbag. It's just it's just a terrible place to live. We got men that think they're women and vice versa, and we're mutilating our children, we're sacrificing our babies. Just like they did in ancient times, nothing's changed. They had eunuchs back then. Nothing's changed since back then. But see, we're told these things, and and we get so de- we get so depressed and overwhelmed. And but that, see, that's not what's. So, are we just all waiting around for Jesus to come back for the rapture? But it, we have a command from Jesus. Now, I don't want to debate all that, and I don't want to argue about that. I want to talk about the command, the three alls that Jesus has given us, and that each and every one of us should be doing it. And we should be doing it with confidence and joy. And I will have you know that Satan was defeated when Christ rose. He was defeated. He sits at the right hand of God. He's given all authority to Him who then He promised us the Holy Spirit during the day of Pentecost and for the last 2,000 years it's been taking place because we started with 12 fishermen all around the Sea of Galilee. They didn't even know about Vermilion, Ohio back then. They didn't know about it. And these from that point until now, where are we at? Do we, do we have to see everything with the flesh? Is it because we, we don't see things? Because we look at the bad things and everything that's going on? Look at the spiritual things. And by the way, the miracle age as far as me having to prove that the Holy Spirit and God exists because I have to perform a miracle and show you a miracle. Listen. The Holy Spirit He saved my soul. He regenerated your soul. He takes, He takes a heart of stone. He takes a heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. He changes people's lives. That's what He will do. And it's not by professing it or reading it. It's about believing it and understanding that we are, we won, we're winning, and we're going to win. It's like going up to Mount Everest. You're going to go up and down this mountain. It's going to go up and down, up and down. But you just gradually, we keep going up closer to the summit. And the summit is one day that every knee, every king, everybody will bow to the Christ our Lord. He's given us all authority to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To, fo- to show people in the Old Testament that the Old Testament has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And for us to proclaim that truth to the world. Not to shrink back or to lack or be weak of it. But to proclaim it with boldness and strength. That's why 2,000 years later in Vermilion, Ohio... I'm sharing the truth of the gospel. That's why all over the world, you you think maybe China's doing bad? I bet you China, it reminds reminds me of Roman rule. And look how Christianity flourished out there. And let me tell you, because we may have the, the good life, because when good men have it easy, we become weak men. But in other countries where men, good men, have it difficult and being persecuted, the church is growing and it's strong and it's the, and being proclaimed the truth of His Word. I mean, that is just so encouraging to me. And I, I want to get into some uh, a couple Bible verses that, that backs this up. See, when Jesus, when He was told to Him, He says, the Great Commission, this is our commission. Okay? This is what you're this is what your command to do is. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means everything. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and, the Holy, the of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do, observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, first off, all authority has been given to Christ. Not some of it. All authority has been given to Him. We know on Pentecost that He sent the Holy Spirit. He filled them as believers. And for 2,000 years, God's redemptive plan has been saving His people, been filling them with the Holy Spirit. They've been, this, this Bible that we have before us has come on a river of blood. The most printed book in the world since the beginning of time, the authoritative word God has rolled to you on a river of blood before you to put down in front of you. Thousands have died for it. Thousands have believed. It's a spiritual war we're in. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We're dealing with false ideologies and thought processes where people want to convince you of something other than what's going on. It's a spiritual battle that we cannot see. And when he says, "All authority's been given to him, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, he's put that into our hands, and he's told us to there go for it to all nations. He tells us all nations, not just just here or there, all nations, every nation, the whole planet, the whole world is we're able to walk across it, go there and to And do what? All that I have commanded. We are to teach, to make disciples. Now, the pastor is going to be doing a message on disciples next week. Uh, Making disciples is not evangelism. That's the first start. That's not evangelizing. You accept Christ and you come in. Making disciples is teaching them the Word of God. Just as these two men were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus pointed out to these two men all in the Old Testament how prophecy has been fulfilled where Jesus was at in every letter of the Old Testament. Just as Peter knows every letter of the Old Testament. Just as Jesus was proclaiming the Old Testament, every letter of it. Just as the people were speaking in other languages to the other people, the Old Testament, it was all pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, had come. He's here. He's reigning. And He reigns on His spiritual kingdom. He sits on a spiritual throne in heaven. He's not sitting on a throne over here on this earth. He sits above all, and He has all rule and all authority over all. So it's all nations to make these disciples, teaching what we have commanded them. Now, Hebrews is a very interesting verse. And I like this verse because it's that eye thing again. It's not being able to see. It says putting everything in subjection under his feet which has taken place now putting everything in subjection to him he left nothing outside of his control everything nothing's outside of his control at present that's the present time right now we do not yet see everything in subjection to him see we we can't see everything right now Physically seeing in subjection to him. Understand it's a spiritual things. How can you see spiritual things? Grab your fingers on that black and that white wire and that plug. And that will teach you about the things you can't see. You will feel it. You'll get zapped. You can't see it, but it's there. There's a spiritual battle. It's going on. He's given us authority. We need to dig into his word. We need to learn his word. We need to proclaim the truth of his word. And don't get discouraged, beloved. Do not get discouraged. These times are the best times. Because every day that gets closer to God, God is sheep. They're being drawn to him. They're being called to him. And he has complete control. And uh, knowing that God's in control, knowing that God's not going to lose any of his, knowing that God has just so full of his grace, his mercy and his love knowing that God is is he he uh, he's patient and i'm just going to wrap up with with one more thing when i was, was talking about the the scaffolding right remember the scaffolding oh where are we at in that uh Here it is. so and just we're, we're going back to the uh, to the scaffolding, to the people that were the, the Pharisees and the scribes, remember I was talking about how they, they, the Roman soldier guard had came in there while they were doing their sacrifices, and their blood had just flow flowed out of that temple, and Jesus had said to them. Would you, do you think they were any more sinners than the the men that were building the scaffolding? And I'm going to start there on verse, uh, chapter 13 of, of Luke. Now at the same time, there were some present who were re- reporting to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, do you think that... Je- these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you, no. But unless, what? You repent, you will all likewise perish. Now what is Peter, at the day of Pentecost? Repent. Because of your ignorance. Repent. See, God's long-suffering. Repent. Such were some of you. He says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you think that those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse offenders than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then he goes on to tell this parable. And this is, a, this is a very interesting parable. He says, and he was telling this parable, a man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vine vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? Sinner, why do you even waste another breath that God's given you? This vine grower said, cut it down. Why do you even waste another breath? Why does that that fig tree spend another day in that dirt that God made? This is a parable Jesus is telling. And he answered and he said to him, let it alone, sir. For this year, too, until I dig around it and put manure, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Okay? God is long-suffering. We, we all are that fig tree and at some point in our life have been that fig tree that hasn't produced the fruit. But God, with His patience and His mercy, said no. No, go another year. Let's dig around it and give us some fertilizer. Put some put some God's word in it. Begin to pray. If it begins to bear fruit. Peter, because of your ignorance. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw a rope out there to you. Because of your ignorance, what you've done. Repent. Believe. Repent. That that is a loving God. A loving God that the Prophecy was fulfilled that, that he, he said that was proclaimed through Moses that this man Jesus was going to be born and die a horrific death for our sins. And that's what our God did for, for each and every one of you. So sinner, don't be cut down today. If God's given you time to take another breath, use that breath to repent. Repent. Call on the name of the Lord. Our Lord says, our God says, and Peter, Paul says, in Romans, he says, if we believe in our heart and profess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our hearts. It's just not good enough to say a little prayer or, or read the Scripture. We've got to believe it. We have to believe every word of this Bible. This is the authoritative word of God. We have to accept it. We don't always... We may not always understand it. I know it's difficult. It's difficult for me at times. I just have to accept it as the authority of God's God's Word without error. Just accept it. Pray for wisdom, God. I pray for wisdom. I, I don't understand all these things, but I'm praying for your wisdom, God. I feel for my sins that I've committed in the past that he's he's told me. He says, they're as far as the east and the west. They're forgotten. You're forgiven, John. My son covered that. His blood covered you. Acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. Acknowledge that. Accept that into my heart. With that gift that's been given to then begin to hunger and thirst for his word. To call on him. And to always praise and glorify God in good times, bad times, in all times, to praise and glorify God. We don't have to always understand or be able to explain why things happen or whatever. We just have to always praise God. Know that He's God. Know that He's given, He's thrown each and every one of you a rope. All you got to do is reach out there and grab it. Believe to the bottom of your heart. Just putting a post on Facebook about Jesus is, is not going to get you to heaven, I don't think. It, it, it's going to be a change in way. There's going to be a sanctification. You you will see a believer, a regenerated soul. He'll, he'll begin to thirst and hunger for God's Word. He'll want to do God's Word. His life, will all the old things have passed away, the new have begun. You'll see a change in that person. There'll be a new person. The sins that you once committed will bother you more than when you were committing them sins. The, the physical act when you were doing that sin that you took joy in that, that led you down the road further than you ever wanted to go and they didn't let you go, you, you didn't really bother you. But now that you've been given this new nature, this new self, you look back at them sins and you think how wrong you were. And, and, you, and you don't want to do that no more. There's a desire in your heart because God will give you the Holy Spirit and will give you a desire to do the next right thing. And that'll be drawing closer to Him, praying for your family, praying for people around us, uh, loving, loving one another, truly loving one another the way God has loved you. It's not contingent upon uh, what, what, what we do for Him. It's what God has done for me enables me to love you because he's commanded me to do that. Now, only a God can do that. Only a God can say to a person that he sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but the world's judged already by not believing. By simply not believing. It doesn't say to say a prayer with Nicodemus. Say a prayer. Read this book. He says, by not believing, believing from the bottom of your heart that Jesus is Lord. That's, that's all it takes, and, and your life will change. There's a battle going on right now. It's a spiritual battle. We can't see it. And uh, we, we need help. And I'm praying for God to open the eyes of believers. Because, see, he can, our God is so powerful that he can change the eyes. He can open the eyes up in the Senate today, the Congress the police. God can just, like that switch, that power, he can hit that switch, open them eyes up, and you are ordained, and it's a blessing to do the right thing. Don't compromise God his integrity. It starts with something small. You may believe. You may be in a position, and you'll compromise something little. You may give a little bit to get a little bit to get your way, but you're doing it in the name of God. Don't, don't compromise, God. God don't need, God don't need that help. God, God doesn't need anything in this secular world to advance his kingdom. All God needs is for his believers to do his word and to proclaim his word. If you're in Congress, if you're a police officer, if you're a garbage man, if you're an electrician, to do everything for the glory of God, let us go to the Lord in prayer our father and our god just knowing that you you sit at the right hand of god that all authority has been given to you that you sent the holy spirit to be upon all your believers to fill them to give them a peace that passes all the understanding to give them wisdom and guidance to learn your word to go out in this world and and do the next right thing, to not compromise their beliefs that our treasures are laid up in heaven. We're just sojourners here. Thank you for that knowledge. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the grace of Jesus, and we thank you for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.